Good morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and your mercy. Lord, we acknowledge who you are. You are good, you are righteous, you're holy, you're good, you're powerful, you're wise. Lord, and we bow our hearts before you. So grateful that we're able to worship you. So grateful for the opportunity we have. So grateful that you've um, designed us. So grateful that you brought us together as a church family. So grateful that we have this place to meet in. So grateful we have technology to join in online as well, God. We, I bow my heart before you. I bow my heart before your word. I pray each of us, Lord, we would bow our hearts before your word. Lord, we would listen to you. We would obey you, God. We would please you. Thank you that we do please you through Jesus Christ. Lift up these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Appreciate the good sports of you out there standing up and singing along with the songs. It's, kind of, it's a lot of fun. It will hopefully wake you up. Hopefully I won't put them to sleep, my love. Um, it's really good to be here with everyone. My name is Dave Ferguson. I'm one of the pastors at Oak Ridge. And glad that everyone's able to join us, whether you're here in person with us in the building or whether you're joining us online or listening to our archive at oakridgecc.org. Um, just a real quick public service announcement. As, things start, as the COVID restrictions start to lift and this building is starting to be used the way it has in the past, this is a reminder that at 11 o'clock in the morning, Hope Church, who's now a member of uh, Ricky, of our, of our building association, they have use of this room starting at 11 o'clock. And they come in here and they get cleaned up and they rearrange the chairs and they start setting up their equipment for their service, which immediately follows ours. So we have the opportunity to fellowship out in the lobby. We also have the Patapsco room on the lower level that's ours all day long if we want it. So if someone very politely comes along and starts scooching you out the door, when it gets close to 11 o'clock, you'll understand we're trying to be good neighbors and good friends and good brothers and sisters with um, Hope Church. So question for you guys. Our technology works. There we go. Question for you. What is this? Thank you. Not a trick question. It's a shovel, right? What is a shovel designed to do? To dig holes. Very good. See, not, a, not a trick question at all. What is this? Or it's a phone, right? Or an iPhone, probably. Right. And what is this, besides spinning your life on the internet, what is this? What is this device intended for use? Telecommunications. Telecommunications. Getting in touch with people, talking. For me, sometimes wasting time on the internet. What is this? We don't need brand names. In fact, I deliberately went in and shaded out the brand name. It's a car. What is a car designed to do? drive to get us places. It does things. It's designed for a purpose. What? We have a question? Oh, to dig. Oh, it's designed to dig. Thank you. Hopefully not. All right. What, or better, who is this? The lady. It's a woman, right? So what's her purpose? Awesome answer. Actually, what I want you to do is hold that thought for a moment, and better yet, if you have a pen and paper or your phone is handy, think about that for a moment. What is the purpose of this woman? If you're a woman, what is your purpose? Same question. Who is this? It's a construction bro. It's a man. What is his purpose? 
Glorify God. Build things, someone said. That's good. If you have a thought to this, I do encourage you to write down your response to this. What is the purpose? Today is our concluding Sunday for our sermon series, God's Good Design. Um, that We've talked about God as creator. Uh, he's created us, men and women, for a purpose. We talked about man's purpose. We talked about man's hurdles and his redemption. We talked about women's purpose, her redemption and hurdles. And we've had some amazing panel discussions, which have been very encouraging, very edifying, very revealing. I appreciated everyone that's invested time in that. I'd like to wrap up our series today with some encouragement and some challenges for the future. Today is we are together for the gospel as men and women and a church body for the Lord. We are created in God's image. This is, this, this is, the, this is the principle that we started off the series with. Created in the image of God, men and women are absolutely equal in essence, dignity, and value, but we are distinct in divine design. This meeting is being recorded. Awesome. We are created in God's image, but to what end? You know, this is not merely a theological discussion. This is real life. Why am I created? Why are you created? Man created physical tools, shovels, phones, cars for specific use because it delighted him, because he needed him, and sometimes just because it delighted him. God created men and women and his church for his purposes, for his specific uses, and because it delights him as well. If we disagree, topics such as that we've talked about over the last couple of months here, gender roles, submission, purpose, they're fraught with relational hazards, aren't they? They always have been. If you think the conversation is intense now, a little bit before my time, some of you might recall the 60s and the 70s, the Equal Rights Amendment, first, second wave feminism. It's always been a difficult topic. It's always been a difficult topic. And I trust that you've noticed the extent that we've gone to, the lengths which we've gone to to provide context, clarity, and grace when we express our conviction of what the Scripture teaches. But in spite of our efforts, maybe you find yourself slightly or maybe more than slightly rankled by some of the points we've made in this series. If this is how you feel, then I would like to acknowledge your position and your convictions and frame an appeal to you. And my appeal is this. Let's not spend our time arguing. We live in the freest, most opportune time and country in the history of the world. In fact, tomorrow we'll be celebrating Memorial Day, celebrating the fact that men and women have died protecting our country, defending our freedom. We should enjoy and be grateful for the gift of freedom that we have. Also, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. You are welcome here. You're welcome here to worship and to serve together with us as we advance God's kingdom. Last but not least, let's not get distracted by our arguments when we can be joyfully bearing fruit for our Lord. James 3.17 says, the book of James, chapter 3, verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. 
This should be the character of our conversations with one another. Not tearing at each other, not hating each other, not fighting with one another. This wisdom from above is peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy. This should characterize our conversations with one another, especially as believers, and it should also characterize our conversations with the world around us who's watching us and our testimony for the Lord. Let's use our gifts, let's use our freedom, the advantages of this fellowship that we have to advance his kingdom together. Regarding any unresolved conversations or disagreements that we might have, we, as the elders of this church, we seek to pre- present God's word, his truth, his scripture to you with integrity. If we fail to proclaim scripture faithfully, or if we're ungracious as we do so, then we invite you to interact with us with love and respect. This is a two-way street. This is a courtesy that we ought to offer to one another. So, we've explained our, we've explained our principles. We've made allowances for differences of opinion we have a purpose. Our purpose is not to argue about our design. We're designed for something, right? Our purpose is not to argue about our design. Our purpose is not even to agonize over our purpose. Our purpose is to operate according to the way that we're designed before God. If I spend more time arguing than operating, then I'm doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. I'd like to set up a contrast for you if I could. Our purpose is not. Let's talk about that for a moment. What the world says, what the culture says, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, the prevailing message is our purpose is to have a long life, to have happiness, to have money, health, and self-fulfillment. These things are good. Some of these things are good, but the focus can be wrong. The focus can be on ourselves instead of on the Lord or the people around us. And we, we should not embrace the world's concept of value and purpose. These things, all of these things, even if they are good, even if we do them in a good way, even if the Lord blesses us with these things, every single one of these things is transitory. And if they're focused on ourselves, they are destructive. They're transitory and destructive. Even good things, if they're focused on ourselves. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. It's a blunt warning from Scripture. If you, if you fight against God, if you decide to pursue what, he, what the world wants and not what God says, you're going to find death. So what should we do? What does God want us to do instead? Well, as the saying goes, don't ask what God's will is for your life. Instead, ask who can finish that statement, not James Wilson. Who can finish that statement? What is God's will? Very good. We're going to touch on this topic today a little bit, and then we're going to expand on this topic in our next sermon series, which is on discipleship, which is going to extend through July. I'd like to, as part of our contrast, I'd like to say these are things that we are designed to do as individuals and together as a church body for the Lord. We are designed to serve the God. It's good and right that we serve him and not ourselves. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 24 says, Be sure to fear the Lord and faithfully serve him. Think of all the wonderful things he has done for you. 1 Samuel 12, 24. We are tools in his hands. We should use, we should allow ourselves to be used. We should use our gifts 
to advance his kingdom. He created us. We are his. We belong to him. We should be used for his purpose to serve him. Next, we are designed to love one another. Jesus spoke, John 15, verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment, love each other. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You know, we do this imperfectly. We know it, we sense it, we want it, we desire it. We do it imperfectly because of our sin, but the gospel of Jesus Christ has freed us from that sin. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we ask for forgiveness. He cleanses us. He plants the Holy Spirit within. We come to faith in him. We live for him. And that starts a lifetime process of obedience and love and healing. It allows us to love him better and to allow those around us better. We are designed to be salt and light to a very needy world. Jesus again spoke, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. So one of the things that we're created to do once we've been saved, once we learn to love, we are created to be his ambassadors to a world around us that really needs him and needs us to faithfully represent him. We are designed to sacrifice and maybe even suffer on his behalf. Romans chapter, one, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them, be, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Let them, the them is our bodies. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly to, the way to worship him. I'd like to share a testimony with you. I receive an email every day from ChristianHistoryInstitute.org. And I got this, I received the other day as a, as a story of Elizabeth Dirks. I know the picture's not that legible, but I encourage you to look it up. It's for May 27th. Um, Elizabeth Dirks, I'm going to read some highlights of the testimony for, for this young woman. Elizabeth Dirks' parents put her in a convent as a girl. She lived in the early 1500s, almost, almost 500 years ago. We don't know why she was put in the convent, but that decision brought her to Christ and to death. Becoming, she became convinced that monasticism was not biblical, so she looked for a way out. Help came from a friendly milkmaid who exchanged clothes with her. Elizabeth walked away in a simple disguise and came to the nearby Dutch town of Lear. She sought refuge at a house that turned out to be the home of some Anabaptists. This is at the height of this, well, this, it's the start and the turmoil of the Reformation. Europe is in turmoil. Elizabeth Dirks labored with the local Anabaptists. They, the authorities observed her with the Anabaptist leader, Mino Siemens, so often that they mistook her for his wife. In January of 1549, they arrested her, along with her friend. The town council tried to get her to take an oath, but she would not. Jesus taught us that our yes must mean yes, and our no must mean no, she said. The authorities demanded that she tell who baptized her and to name her accomplices. Dirks refused. No, my lords, do not press me on this point. Ask me about my faith, and I will answer you gladly. So when you hear authorities in this, the authorities are not just, it's not just the town council or the state, but this is like church people. How do you like to have your church people demanding who baptized you? 
who taught you your doctrine. They said to her, we will make you so afraid that you will tell us. In answer to questions, she explained what Anabaptists believed about the Lord's Supper and baptism. She discussed the nature of the church and the authority of priests. Asked if baptism saved her, she replied, No, my lords, all the water in the sea cannot save me. All my salvation is in Christ, who has commanded me to love the Lord, my God, and my neighbor as myself. Most of her answers quoted the Bible. All the water in the sea cannot save me. A little uh, plucky girl there, I like that. To get her to inform on other Anabaptists, they carried through their threats of torture. First, they applied thumbscrews until blood spurted from under her fingernails. She cried out to Christ, but did not betray fellow Anabaptists, because the Lord took the pain from her. Her tormentors then discussed crushing her leg bones with screws. She begged them not to touch her body, as she'd always been modest. They promised to respect her. That was nice of them. Although they crushed her legs until she fainted, she did not name any other Anabaptists. When she passed out, her tormentors thought she had died. When she came to, they ended the interrogation. Seeing they could get nothing from her, they condemned her to die. On, on this day, May 27, 1549, they drowned Elizabeth Dirks in a bag. The transcript of her interrogation remains... to show her courage and modesty and faith. So, the point is, we are designed to suffer somewhat. We will suffer on his behalf. We often expect, when we do the right thing, we expect to be commended, right? We expect people to say, you've done a good job, and you're right, and you're a good person because you've done the right thing. It doesn't always happen that way. Young Elizabeth Dirks, she stood up for what was right. She did what she was designed to do. And she didn't get the thanks of the world around her. We may, we may face that ourselves one day. Last but not least, we are designed to bear fruit on his behalf. Galatians 5.22, we sang this song a couple weeks ago with Cammie. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Again, just like the, the, the wisdom from above is peaceable, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we are right in God, this, these are the things that ought to typify our, typify our life. Not stridency, not anger, not fierceness, and I'm talking to myself right now. Not self-righteousness, but love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness. This is what we are designed to do. This is the fruit we were designed to bear. So, serve and love and sacrifice and bear fruit is a list of things to do, right? I'm not trying to give you a list of things to do. Not really. More so, this is a calling to a simple focus of your life on Jesus Christ. It starts with salvation. It continues with us abiding in Him. It ends up with us bearing fruit. It starts with salvation, trusting Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins, coming to faith, believing that he is who he said he was, believing that he died, believing that he rose again, and then abiding in him, learning what it means to abide in him and trust him. And from that abiding comes fruit. From that abiding comes joyful obedience in him. This is what we're designed, this is what we're designed to do. So at this point in the message, 
we're either we're doing one of two things. One is we're thinking about what we're going to have for lunch, which is reasonable. Or two, we're thinking about this is a lot, maybe even overwhelming. I get it. And what I'm describing here is the journey of a lifetime. Surrender, devotion, sacrifice. Repeat, surrender, devotion, sacrifice. Getting back up when you fall down and doing it again. Surrender, devotion, sacrifice. These are things, this is the tempo of our life. This should typify our life. This is what we're designed to do. This is how we are pleasing to God. This is how we bear fruit for Him. This is how we build His kingdom together. Over the next couple of months, during our next sermon series on discipleship, we're going to unpack this in more detail of what it means to serve Him, what God's will is. But it starts with you, and it starts with you and God in a quiet place. It starts with you and God in a quiet place. Where are you with Him? What is your desire before Him? The other thing is, the good news is, is you're not in this by yourself. It starts with your relationship with Jesus Christ, continues with you as being part of a church family. We are a church family. In fact, you cannot do this by yourself. You cannot serve Him. You cannot sustain the tempo of faith, the service, the sacrifice, the devotion. You cannot sustain this in of yourself. Our purpose is Oak Ridge Community Church. This is our vision statement. We're a gathering of communities who share Jesus together and do Jesus, do life together. A gathering of communities who share Jesus together and do life together. What does it mean? Well, this room is a community. Those who are online with us, you're, we're part of this community. Our life groups are communities. The community groups that, that's going to be reaching out to their um, Carroll County next week, they're a community. They're a gathering. Our families are integral gatherings of this fellowship. Just as our lives, our individual lives, have purpose and design, our communities have design and they have purpose. We're not designed to merely enjoy our life, but to intentionally serve Him together. So I want to ask you as an individual, and I'm asking myself, of course, but I'm asking each one of you as well, as individuals, as a group, as a family, as a life group, as a community group, us together as a church, are we fulfilling our purpose? The contrast between what the world and what the culture says, long life, happiness, money, health, self-fulfillment, versus serving God, loving one another, being salt and light, sacrificing, bearing fruit for Him. What do you want to do? What is your heart to do? It's a matter of focus. If you focus on yourself and surrender to God, sorry, if you focus on yourself, it leads to death and frustration. Focus on yourself to the exclusion of God and others. It's going to lead to death and frustration. If you focus on Jesus Christ, it's going to lead to life and to fruit and to peace even in the midst of difficult circumstances. So in conclusion, I want to revisit the verse we read a little bit earlier. Romans 12, 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by the changing of the way you think. Then you will know what God's will is for you, which is, the good, and please, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed 
This transformation is the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart over the course of a lifetime. So you don't have to get this right immediately. He leads you. He grows you. He heals you. He changes you. And as part of a body together, we help and encourage and sharpen one another. This work that we do together is strengthened as part of a church body. So I'd like to encourage you, let's seek him, let's obey him, let's please him, let's bear fruit for him together. Let's take a moment to pray. And uh, I, w- I really would like, we're going to have a moment of silent prayer. And what I'd like to, you to do is like, what is your focus? Just take a moment and ask yourself or confess to the Lord, what is your focus? Am I focused on myself? Or am I focused on Jesus? Am I focused on pleasing Him? Am I focused on abiding in Him? Am I focused on operating according to His design? If you find yourself lacking in that prayer, it's okay. Admit it and ask for help. Ask for His presence. Ask for His peace. And then when you say amen and you look up, be mindful of those around you who are willing to help and encourage and serve. All right, so let's take a few moments in silence. And then I will close this in a little bit. Father, I do acknowledge it's the work of a lifetime for for me to seek you, for us to seek you, for us to desire to be changed by you, for us to use our gifts, for us to bear fruit for you, to learn what it means to abide in you and not just have a list of religious-sounding things to do on your behalf, but to truly enjoy you, to truly understand what it means to please you, to be in union with you, God. We desire this. We hunger for this. Lord, to the degree I don't hunger for it, I ask that you would increase my hunger. I ask you would increase the hunger for this for every person here. Every person here that's participating in our service, God, I pray that we would desire to serve you. We would desire to please you. We desire to operate according to your design. I pray that we would bear fruit in your good timing to glorify yourself and to build your kingdom, God. Thank you that you put us together as a family to encourage and support and love one another. In Jesus' name, amen. So real quick, next Sunday, we're going to have a State of the Church update from Pastor David DeGlow in a time of extended worship. That's June 6th. And Jillian said the 12th, we have our training time with Burke Wilson. And then on Sunday, June 13th, we're going to kick off our next sermon series about discipleship. And we'll, deta- we'll dive into more details on God's will for our lives. Spoiler alert, God's will has a lot to do with us sharing his gospel with a very needy world. Thank you.